Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Awaken Together podcast. I'm Kat, and Jen isn't here with me today. For the first time, we actually have a guest on today, and it's my husband, Kyle. Kyle is a music-making, rock-climbing, deep-talk-loving cancer, and he's also my partner in crime and in life, and... Yeah, I just want to give a warm welcome to Kyle. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording this episode on Thanksgiving. Um, Jen and her husband and grandma are spending some time together, and we're just getting ready to head out to our friend's house. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, it would be Black Friday. So I hope today's topic gives you some joy and um, just inspire some some new thoughts and conversations that you might like to have with friends or family this weekend. Today we're going to be touching on a couple different topics. Um, one is science and spirituality and how they actually relate to each other. And the other is being healing and therapy. So to kick us off, Kyle, many people think science and spirituality directly contradict each other, with one being driven by facts and figures, and the other being more personal and more rooted in intuition and feelings. But we've had plenty of deep talks over our, you know, whole relationship together, uh, where you've convinced me that there are actually two sides of the same coin. So could you share a little bit about like what spirituality means to you? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess, uh, I guess as it relates to science and all of that. Um, so I, I don't, I don't abide by any specific religion. Uh, but I guess you could say that I am pantheistic, which basically means that, uh, you believe that God is everything and God is everywhere. And, like anywhere there is anything as well as nothing, there is God. Um, you can't separate God from anything else. It's not like a being or something like that. It, you, it's, it's incomprehensible, I guess, <laughs> what God is. Um, and uh, I see, I kind of see God in when I look at the natural world and in, in my inner world as well. <laughs> Our dog just came to join us. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's amazing to look at how um, the natural world works, how how the sun is actually this like giant nuclear reactor so far away in space and it gives us light and warmth and it lets everything on Earth happen. Um, and there's really specific um, chemistry and physics that kind of supports that and makes that happen. And, um, I think that's amazing. I think that's something to respect and honor. And, um, and I think that's where the spirituality comes into it for me and how I think science and spirituality are kind of the same thing. Um, they're not necessarily the same thing, but they go hand in hand. Um, because the, the scientific method is, the best thing that we've really discovered to learn as objectively as we can about the world around us. Um, it's the reason we have all the technology we have now without the scientific method, we wouldn't have, uh, 
computers. We wouldn't have cell phones. You wouldn't be listening to this right now. Um, we wouldn't have cars, refrigerators, airplanes. None of this would have happened without discovering the scientific method and learning about the natural world. Um, and so I see science in, in utilizing the scientific method in kind of your everyday life, not necessarily doing research, but just trying to look at things more objectively um, as, as a spiritual pursuit. Cause you're, you're kind of, you are in, in coming back to pantheism, you're kind of, you are God learning about God in a way you're like, we're all, everything is this giant complicated system. And um, you're kind of studying that the same way that like a Christian would study the Bible. If that makes sense. Yeah, just like a studier of the world around you and finding awe and beauty in seemingly everyday normal things that can get overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. I love that. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I don't think it's like too far off from what some traditional religions do say. Um, I'm just thinking about Christianity and how they say like, God is in everyone, um, you know, your brothers and sisters or everyone around you uh, see Jesus in them. But mm. I think that part of religion gets looked over, at least in many societies. Um, I, maybe the people who really take the Bible for what it is and don't look too deep into it can see that. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful way to take that and also see it in just like trees and leaves and nature around you too. So I feel like if people really lived more so by that belief, then we would be you know, we just be more conscious of the climate and like actually caring about climate change and the future of the world and be more into sustainability and everything else like that, right? We'd just be living with the earth instead of using it. Yeah. 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 It, it, you have, it, it kind of, for me, naturally breeds just a respect for, for everything and how everything works and um, it makes me want to just do what I can to understand what little bit of it I can understand and, um, do my role in, in helping the whole system kind of prosper. And, and I think you, I think you kind of touched upon a point that I think is interesting too, with, with both science and religion that both are, um, they're, they're kind of both just tools. Like science is just a tool to learn about something objectively or as objectively as we can. Um, religion is a tool to help guide yourself or guide others on how to, how to live really. And both of those things throughout history have been um, taken advantage of for things that aren't so noble. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, religion, you look at, like the Crusades or, or, um, it's, I think it's common with, with Christianity, Christianity, at least to, um, use the kind of religion as an excuse for, for homophobia or things like that. And then science has also been skewed too, like the whole science versus religion thing, or, um, or, I mean, there's been times in history where people try to justify racism by, by, uh, you, trying to use science, which um, the science mm -hmm. doesn't actually support any of that. But um, if you have people who aren't quite as scientifically literate, it's easy to 
to kind of um, manipulate people in that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, mm. the scary side of it. <laughs> yeah. So you touched on this before a little bit, uh, but I want to resurface it about how you are like a lifelong learner. And with pantheism, just being a student of everything around you with nature and just seeing God and all of that, would you say that's how you practice spirituality? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think, um, like even something just like going on a hike for me can kind of be like comparable, I think, to, to, uh, to someone going to church or something mm -hmm. like I, I tend to just more like a lot of the time I'll just be looking around me and just kind of being in awe of like, wow, this is like, look at how the, like this tree, right. It, just looking at a sing single tree and like looking at how incredible it is and how it's a home for so many insects. And those insects are um, a part of a food chain that, that help to, you know, feed other animals and pollinate other plants and um and how interconnected everything is and it's it's yeah it's like it's amazing i think mm, yeah that <laughs> yeah. oneness i yeah. definitely resonate with that too i've felt that many times just being in nature and there's a quote i forget who shared this but it's it's something like when you are feel far away from nature you probably feel far away from yourself as well and that's because we are nature we are a part of this world where if we're feeling so distant from trees or from grass or from plants in general then like there's that part of us that we're made up of the same things that maybe you're feeling like you haven't actually understood how you're feeling for a while. And so I think it's such a really great point to make. And it can be hard in cities sometimes to feel like you have had that time to be in touch with nature. So any little tips even, because we've lived in cities, <laughs> mm. uh, what have you done in those times to reconnect yourself to nature as well as yourself? Um. What have I done? Uh, <laughs> I guess um, house plants yep. are always great. Um, you have lots of those. Yep, do. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I mean, try to plan a trip to somewhere in nature. I mean, it doesn't have to be something crazy like you're in the middle of the Rockies um, or something like you could be just somewhere kind of in the woods down the street from your house, depending on where you live, if, if you have that. Um, just trying to get anywhere where there's plants. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. it's really simple, um, right? I mean, you could like watch nature documentaries. I don't know. Um, yeah. And and I guess it doesn't necessarily even have to be nature. Like there's been times where I'll be just like, I'll be learning stuff about space. Um, and like, I'll like read a book about space or like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, general relativity or something because <laughs> the nerdy it, side's coming out <laughs> yeah yeah and it's um and it's all because it's all related like it, like i said it's all one giant system and you're just learning about these different systems or different parts of the system and um and that can that's that's also i think that's also valid for like internal work too and getting to know yourself better because um like you said we are like we are nature, like we are a part of the system. We are not separate from all of this other stuff as well. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. 
Um, and something that you all probably don't know is that Kyle is the OG plant daddy. He takes care <laughs> of all of our plants and we have a lot of them. How many do we have right now? Um, uh, around like 40, I think. 40. Yeah. So around if you've there. been to our, pl our place, we like to live in a jungle. But I think it's because of that. We like to feel connected with nature and mm. just taking care of something like that uh, that's alive and gives us fresh air. It mm. makes the home feel nice. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He does a great job. Uh, so when you think about this oneness, um, it's really frustrating, I think, to see people who don't operate in this same mentality. People who are so seemingly in it for themselves and don't seem to care about others around them. Um, Thinking about people like that, what do you think causes people to lose sight of the importance of human connection and caring for thy neighbor? Yeah, um, uh, I think um, what what I've been feeling more what what I, what I've been more inclined to say recently is just trauma. I think <laughs> um, yep. un un like repressed or unhealed trauma, um, or or just kind of like being misguided by what actually matters in life. Um, I think both of those things there, I think there's a lot, a lot of people who fit into at least one of those categories. Um, I mean, I do, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm always learning and trying to heal from my own traumas and difficulties, but um, like, I'm not perfect. I think everyone probably fits into that camp to some extent, but um yeah, I guess probably one of those, because I think uh, there, there's a saying that I like that uh, it goes hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. <laughs> meaning like people who are hurt, hurt other people. Um, and I think that's really true. Um, and and I think thinking about that allows you to have a little bit more compassion for people who you might absolutely hate otherwise. Yeah. Um and you don't necessarily have to be a pushover about it either. You can still disagree with someone and respect their kind of humanity yeah. in a way. Definitely. It makes me think back to when we lived in Boston, which is where we're from, Massachusetts. Um, it seemed like people who lived there, and this is kind of like a East Coast mentality more so, I think people there are a little bit less connected even though people live closer together and like kind of on top of each other in the city um there's that no new friends mentality and everybody more so keeps to themselves than they do out here in colorado where we live now any ideas like what might <laughs> attribute to that i have my own but i want to hear yours <laughs> yeah um i don't know i think uh <laughs> i don't know i this is all guesses. I don't know. I'm not trying to judge anyone. Um, but I don't know. I, one thing that I I think is um, I think there's a, a big time like workaholism culture back there and and in general, I think, yeah. in 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 the United States, at least um, in other countries. But I'm from here, so I know more about here. Um, but I, th I think there's a lot of people who are extremely focused on their careers and they see that as, um, a, a, uh, you know, a, a way to be happier, be secure, um, successful. Yeah. And, and because of that, there's just not a lot of time for, for friends and leisure 
mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So you get your your group of however many people and then you uh, stick to that and don't focus on work otherwise. Um, I'm just, that's just one reason I'm, that doesn't describe everyone. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a big part of the picture there too. Um, I also feel like when I was there, I never really heard people talk about therapy. Um, <laughs> we were also younger then and now we're in our 30s and... I don't know. I feel like everybody talks about therapy in our 30s and now we're just on this journey of healing and awakening, whereas in our 20s, that wasn't as common. I don't know whether it was just asking the people we were hanging out with or what. But uh, yeah, it seems like here everyone I know is in therapy and like not boasts about it, but is like proud of that, um, that they're doing this hard, deep work and that they're feeling better, but they're feeling different. So, I mean, thinking about you, I'm constantly amazed you've been doing deep healing work for four years now. Um, so I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners how your relationship with yourself has changed <laughs> since we lived in Boston. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, it is, I, I feel like a different person in, in a lot of ways, um, but I'm the same person. Um, I guess, yeah, it's been about four years since I've started getting professional help. So, um, go back in time to, uh, to when, yeah, we were still in Boston. I was kind of, yeah, 2017 was, was my, my low, my low year. Um, I think I had been, I I've, I've, I've experienced, um, definitely some trauma in my life and, uh, and I think I wasn't really dealing with any of that. And instead, I um, I was kind of succumbing to workaholism. And maybe my judgment on everyone else is just me projecting my own <laughs> stuff on everyone else. But um, I know I fit into that category back then. Um, and and I kept thinking of like, if I work harder, if I keep going, like if I if I do everything right, I have to do all these things and accomplish this stuff and then I'll finally be happy. And I, and you would call me out on that sometimes too. You'd be like, you would tell me that, um, I always seem to think that like, I I have to do this one extra thing and then I'll be good. Mm -hmm. And then I do it. And then there's a new one extra thing and I'll be good after Mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. Who hasn't experienced that before, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But I I was, I got really bad with that. And, and I had a lot of, um, um, a lot of, a lot of things that were triggering me and a lot of, uh, I was dealing with kind of progressive depression and anxiety um it it was kind of like low grade at first but i think it gradually got worse over a few years to the point in 2017 where i really hit a breaking point um i was severely severely depressed um and uh i was having panic attacks a a couple times a week at work um one time i had a panic attack while giving a uh a presentation remotely to about 200 people mm-hmm. and that is one of my least favorite <laughs> memories of my life um so i was in really bad shape um and then um i don't know i remember one night just being completely numb and and feeling terrible and talking to you about it mm-hmm. and um and you started talking about how uh how you've gone to therapy when you were younger and how that actually helped you. Um, and so I had been brought up to think that 
therapy is only for crazy people and you no one no one actually goes to therapy that's that's if you're broken you know it, it, there's a really harsh judgment on that and so i never especially for men yeah yeah i think especially for men too um yeah I think that's a really good mm-hmm. point um and so i really bought into that i think without even really realizing it like i never really thought of that as an option or going on medication or anything of that like that um and at this point i was desperate and i was like i i I cannot live my life like this this is not this it's just i can't do it period um and so so i decided to finally try and see a therapist and uh and I got on some antidepressants for, I was on those for like th- two or three years um, and have been going to therapy since, reading a bunch of self-help books and all mm-hmm. that. I don't know if I answered the question. I'm just kind of rambling about <laughs> ther- my no, beginning to therapy at this point. I think it's great. <laughs> but I mean, thinking about that journey and where you are now, how has your relationship with yourself improved? Yes, right. Um, so that's where I was. And then... Um, over the course of the following four years of doing all this personal work, um, and it's really like I'm doing an, like I'm peeling an onion and you, Mm -hmm. you think you get to one layer and you're like, oh, okay, this is why I'm the way I am or why I have the trouble that I do. And then you realize there's another layer under that and (laughs) you gotta unpeel that. And it's, it's seems like it's that. Um, crying the whole time every layer of the onions just yeah, yeah. <laughs> triggering uh, more and more <laughs> totally yeah but i think ultimately um my journey since then um i have so much more compassion for myself now um i i had an incredibly toxic inner inner dialogue with myself back then um i would never talk to anyone the way that I would talk to myself mm-hmm. back back in those days. Um, and and I'm just a lot better at not doing that and and treating myself the way that I would treat treat you or yeah. or anyone anyone else really. How anyone um, deserves to be treated. Yeah. 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 And I've been um lately I've been getting into something called IFS, which I'm telling everyone about because it's helping me so much. Uh, it stands for internal family systems. It's really good for if you've experienced, um, complex trauma. So trauma, not like one or two big traumatic events, but kind of a long period of time, um, dealing with some stuff. Um, it's really, really great. I think it's, it's great no matter who you are. I'm, I'm convinced. I love it. Um, and it goes on that philosophy. I've learned all this from Kyle, um, <laughs> that, you know, when we say a part of me thinks this, it's yeah. like, that's exactly, we intuitively know about this system already when we say things like that, because it's the understanding that there's all these different parts that make us a whole person. Right. Right. Yeah. And and then when you're dealing with with trauma or tra- traumatic events, um, some of your parts will kind of morph into what are called protectors and they will try and protect other parts of you that are kind of that typically these kind of like uh, um, these hurt. Usually it's like a hurt inner child or, or a very vulnerable um, low self-esteem or, or something like that part of you. And uh, and then you have all these different parts of yourself interacting with each other and that are that are triggered by different things. And and they have different relationships with the external world and with each other. It's kind of insane. Mm -hmm. You can go Google uh, Richard Schwartz. He's the guy that kind of 
put the the framework together he has a lot of stuff on youtube it's it's really great mm -hmm. and so that that has allowed me to really understand myself and how i operate and why on a deeper level um and be able to really feel what i'm feeling and understand where it's coming from and and how to manage it without going into like a crisis or just feeling like i'm going crazy and i don't know why <laughs> that's fantastic yeah and like i'm just so proud of you like you you meet with your therapist every week and like i'm sure that's not easy <laughs> but you're such a good student of therapy you do all your mm. homework and i'm just <laughs> i'm just really proud of you and grateful that you want to do this kind of stuff because mm. there are many men out there who still like are in that mindset that you were in Boston of like, this is for crazy people and women, you know, it's not just mm. men who think that. Um, and it's just, it's hard to even get on this healing path in the first place. Once you're on it, more doors keep opening of different pathways you can take it and go down and different things resonate with different people. Um, but what tip would you give someone who's on their own path of awakening? Um, I would say, before I get into that, you talking about the, the struggle of men too. I, yeah. I, I do want to make a point to any any guys out there listening to this or, mm -hmm. um, or any not guys who know guys that could use the information. Mm -hmm. like, like ask for help when you need it. Like mm -hmm. you... Uh, like I don't for me I totally bought into the thing of like you got to do it on your own you got to figure it out you got like you, you can't you can't ask for help um you like you you got to be the leader you got to have it under control you just got pop power through and and it's it's crazy no that's no one can do that like just ask for help when you need it be honest with yourself it's okay um yeah so that, that, I guess that's that's maybe some advice specifically for men and and women who I'm sure there are women who might need that message too, or non-binary and all all across all the uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um so so tip I guess I would say um that I think my number one tip would be that therapy will not fix you um, you are the only person who can quote unquote, fix you, which I don't like that term at all. But um, you're the only person that can create this positive change in yourself. Um, other people can help you. Therapists are really great resources for helping you do that. But ultimately, you have to do the work. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with everyone else. Um, otherwise, it's it's not going to work out. You, you just have to totally buy into the process and and um take <laughs> yeah take responsibility for yourself and 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 be compassionate with yourself in that process too like it's not going to be perfect you're going to be stumbling through the whole thing i've been stumbling through the whole thing um and that's okay that's that's what humans do and it's a beautiful mess yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I tell my clients that at the beginning of our health coaching like journey together, the first meeting, I always say, what you put in is what you're going to get out. It's the same in all areas of healing. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> any last thoughts that you want to share? Um, I, 
I guess I would say just, uh, um, I don't know. I'm a big fan of being a lifelong learner. <laughs> the whole think, think for yourself and question type thing, I guess. Um, and, and really pay attention to, um, to, I don't know what, what's going on around you and within you. Um, I think presence and attention are very important things. Um, there are a lot of, you know, toxic aspects to our culture and the world out there. Um, and it's, it's good to think critically about this stuff. And, um, and, and I think it, it's good to think critically about yourself as well too. And I think you can do that compassionately and I do it compassionately now. Um, and yeah, like if, if something feels good, that's awesome. And if, if you feel like it, maybe dig a little deeper and think about like, like, where is this coming from? Why does it feel good? And, uh, cause I've found for me sometimes in the past and still currently something that maybe feels good in the short term is, will actually hurt me in the long term. You know, having that chocolate cake <laughs> for it feels great in the moment, but um, think about how I feel the next day. Yeah, or, think about the big picture. Yeah. 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 That's a little example, I guess. Yeah. But that third yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah. eat it. Right. Even you want it in the moment. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. where, where is this? I think that's a good example. Like where is this desire for this extra drink coming from? Like, am I, am I looking for something else? Is this third drink really mm -hmm. going to help me have more fun? Maybe it will. But, um, it's important to really ask those questions, I think, and, and try to understand where where this stuff comes from yeah. within you. Having that inner dialogue with yourself. And I think it's how we learn to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. We grow that, that relationship with us when we know that we'll continue showing up for ourselves in positive ways and that we care enough to do so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, thank you, my love. <laughs> Did you have fun? Yeah, this is interesting. I'm, I'm a little nervous <laughs> about everyone hearing my thoughts and opinions, but uh, here you go, world. Have them. <laughs> have them. They have it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Kyle. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you again next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>